This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Boston Loose Baseball is back. Grant Paulson, Toby Altizer, and producer Darius Dameron with you. I told you Danny would be still contributing and involved in the pod as we go, but he's a busy man. We wanted to deliver you the most content we could. Toby has jumped in with me. And we're going to crank out multiple pods a week and really feed the beast that is this Nationals fan base. And, Toby, people have been enjoying watching this team, listening to podcasts like this one. They started one in six. They're 19 and 21 since. Doesn't sound like a lot, but hovering around 500. Feels pretty good right now to be a Nats fan compared to maybe what you're expecting coming into the year. Yeah, credit to the ball club. They play hard. And even the other night, Friday night, I was at the game watching the Tigers-Nats game. And, Tigers go up eight to nothing. It's the ugliest game of the season so far. It looked a lot like last year where guys aren't catching the baseball. They're making bad throws. They're having very uncompetitive at bats. And then credit to them. They battled back, made it a game going into the late innings and ended up losing the ball game, but they came back and won the series against the Tigers. So this baseball team has been a lot better than we expected. I think we expected it to be similar to last season, a lot of uncompetitive, uncompelling baseball that you felt almost like a chore to watch and cover this team. But this year they've been fun to watch and they've played good baseball. Yeah, since you and I got back uh, on busting loose baseball here, they've played four games. They had the series finale in Miami. They had really the Marlins just had their number, obviously. And then, as you said, took two out of three from Detroit. A couple of things standing out to me right now. I wanted to pay attention two and and give some credit to on the pod. Jamer Candelario is a walking torch at this point. The human torch was denied a bank loan or something like that. The dude is on fire. He is 16 for his last 28, hitting 571, 19 for his last 54, hitting 352 over 15 games. He's hitting about 285 with an OPS of almost 850 in his last 30 games. I mean, what else can you ask for from a guy who's played good third defensively, tied for the team high with six homers, couple RBI off the team high pace, and now he's hitting 270 with a 780 OPS. Only Lane Thomas is having a better season. Yeah, I mean, th- there wasn't a whole lot of expectations when the Nationals brought this guy in this offseason. There weren't a whole lot of moves. I mean, 
the big name signing was Trevor Williams, which doesn't get you very excited about what they did this offseason. But Mike Rizzo did a little bit of what he's been doing the last couple of years, bringing in guys on short-term deals that maybe you can flip at the deadline. And Candyman has done so well that maybe he's someone that someone would be willing to give a decent prospect for at the deadline. And I think that's a good thing for the Nationals. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I mentioned Lane Thomas, whose OPS is up to 787 on the season. He's tied with the six home runs with Candelario for the team high. And he's also got 23 runs batted in, even with Abrams and Manessis atop the board. Lane Thomas is hitting 290. He's getting on base about 34% of the time. I always like to remind everyone that the Nationals got this guy for John frickin' Lester at the end of his career without a whole lot to offer. And at the final minute at the deadline, Mike Rizzo ends up flipping Lester to St. Louis for Thomas, who was already in the big leagues. Last seven games, he's hitting 380. Last 15, he's hitting two, uh, 323. And over his last 30 games, he's hitting 280 with an OPS of almost you know 740 in that time. 27 years old, could also be a trade chip. I know people are really starting to like him a lot and feel like maybe he could be a part of the future as an extra piece in the outfield. Ideally, James Wood, Elijah Green, Robert Hassel, Dalen Lyle, you know, three of those four guys end up being your starters. And Lane Thomas maybe has moved for some depth somewhere along the way. Yeah, Lane Thomas has been good, and maybe you can move him. But at the same point, like you mentioned, I don't mind him sticking around. I don't know that he projects to be a really good fielder, outfielder like he's been. If he can continue this up, obviously you're going to find places for him. But I think as a fourth outfielder for a contending baseball team, he'd be good. Maybe as that bottom of the order outfielder, that last guy you can throw in right field. I know he's got a good arm in right, but the metrics don't necessarily say he's a great fielder in the outfield. But I, I think he's really shown that, and we've known this about Lane Thomas, but when he has those stretches where he gets hot, he can be one of the best hitters in the National League, honestly. It's kind of crazy to see the stretches he goes on. It's more so just trying to find a consistency so he doesn't have those down spells. Yeah, he's been on one of those heaters right now. In fact, we have a, a mutual buddy, and we were driving to a, a Nats game, or I guess it might have, we might have even been going to see Shohei. Uh, we were going to see yep. Shohei against the Orioles, and I made a bet. Uh, they're a big Lane Thomas fan, our buddy Ryan, and I said, you know, I think he's going to have whatever the OPS was. So I think I gave him 780 and up on the year for Lane Thomas. I've got the under on 780. Uh, on my bet. And right now, after his stretch, he's up to 787. So what do you think? Am I going to win that bet or not? 780 OPS. I think he's going to come back down to earth, but we got so much time left. He'll probably hit another hot streak too. So who knows? Uh, looking at some of the veterans here with Toby, I'm Grant. You're listening to Bustin' Loose Baseball. What do you make of Joey Manessis' season so far? He's hitting for average. I mean, if you would have told me at the start of the year, he'd be hitting 296 right now. I I'd have been thrilled with that. But very little slugs, 387, just so, you know, as a comp, uh, C.J. Abrams, higher slugging percentage, um, you know, comparable with like uh, Luis Garcia or so. 
I mean, you, you would think Manessis doubles, home runs, extra base hits just has not really happened. Still just the two homers to go along with 11 doubles, which is a category that's starting to climb for him. Yeah, I think that's been the most disappointing part with Manessis is, you know, he started off really slow, so you almost thought it was kind of a fluke last year, and then he's got that batting average back up, but it's really just because of singles all over the place and not a whole lot of power. I'd like to see some more power because that's what's really lacking in the Nationals lineup right now, and you thought that if there were a guy that was going to do it, it'd probably be a guy like Manessis, but he hasn't had it, so I'd still like to see, I mean, we're getting to the point now where we can't really use the it's early point anymore. I mean, we're starting to get a decent enough sample size that you're kind of settled into the year. So maybe these guys are showing you kind of what they are. I'd like to see that power jump up a little bit. It'd be interesting to see what he can do. But I mean, at least he's getting hits now and getting on base. So I'll, I'll take a little bit more power, but I'm fine with what he's giving you right now. And you could say the same, I'd say, for Luis Garcia as well. I know he's only hitting 255, but his slug's about 360 on the year. Uh, he has three home runs, which is not a bad total through 40 games. You know, ideally, he'd be hitting more. That's a pace for about a dozen home runs over 162 games. Having said that, the doubles are really what is frustrating to me. I mean, you think with his swing, the line drive approach, kind of a 20 double pace, you know, as an example, half as many as Manessis has had, um, almost a third of what Candelario has had. I'd love to see the doubles climb because that slug goes up and, that 660 OPS, which is below Dominic Smith and K. Barrett Ruiz and Abrams and you know, barely above Alex Call would go up as well. I think just in general, Garcia has been much better at the plate than the numbers show. He's really hard to strike out. He puts the ball in play. It's a lot of contact. Like there are some things I like, but in today's day and age, if you're not driving the ball, it's it's just hard to get a whole lot of love. Yeah, and I wonder if there's maybe a little bit of an overcorrection with his approach or his swing this offseason where you know, it used to be that Garcia, he, he, when he made contact, it was loud contact, but he didn't make contact enough. So you thought, well, you know, maybe we need to switch a little bit. And now he's making contact all the time, one of the lowest strikeout rates in the league, yet he's not driving the baseball all over the place like he used to. So I think it's still in there. Maybe they need to change his approach just a little bit instead of just trying to hit the baseball all the time, trying to drive the ball all over the ballpark and out of the ballpark. I think he's still got it in him. But I think for me, the most encouraging part is the fact that he's reduced the strikeouts and he's putting the ball in play. And I think if you can just alter that a little bit, tweak it a little bit, increase that power, get a little bit of that back, I think we could see Luis Garcia take off again.